Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. fun, didn't we, church? It's a good day to be in God's house. I am so excited that you are here today. My name is Jesse Gibson. We're going to dig right into the Word of God. I'm telling you what, we had so many words from God this week, whether it was the preaching of the Word, whether it was a prophetic word, a specific word, an on-time word, a long-hoped-for word, whatever it was, God was doing some incredible things in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the people of God in this church. And so I want to talk to you today about don't let the devil steal your word. Look at your neighbor and say, don't let the devil steal your word. Your neighbor needs help. Justin Todd needs help, Chris. Okay. So we're going to try it one more time. You ready? Say, don't let the devil steal your word. It's awesome. I want you to turn with me today in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1, move our way down just a few verses. I hope you're going to leave here better than you came in. How many of you already expected to, to come in better than, or come out better than you came in? Anybody? Yes, it's going to be good. So we're going to start in verse 1. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Oh, I want to sit beside a sea. How many of you would like to sit beside a sea just about now? I've had enough of winter. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there. While the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things. My Bible will not turn the page, you guys. Give me one second. He told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow and he sowed. Some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and they ate them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose and they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorn grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Let anyone with ears listen. How many of you have ears this morning? This is called the parable of the sower. And directly after this, if you read the passage that follows this, the verses after this, All of these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they begin to say to Jesus, why do you always talk in parables? Because they're apparently too righteous to need it broken down in simple form, too holy to need a story, too big in God to need it simplified. When you've gotten too big for your britches with God that you don't need a story anymore, you might as well know you have started from scratch again. 
Because Jesus found it extremely appropriate on every level to say a parable, to explain a scriptural principle to every level of believer, whether they'd known God for a long time or known him for a very short time. And he says to them, everybody hasn't had the chance to know everything that you've known. That's why I laugh when we do the three little pigs or we do frozen and religious people get in an uproar. They say, why would we, why would we try to preach the gospel with frozen? Because it's a modern day parable that anybody and everybody knows the story to. They can walk right in. They understand what's going on. They are completely comfortable and bam, we slip the word in and it's done. It's incredible. It is Jesus. Do you know that the parable of the, uh, of the prodigal son was a common story of their day? That every parent would teach their children in the ancient Near East. They would say, there was a son that was a prodigal, and he ran away, and he wasted everything in his entire inheritance. And he went far, far away, and he slept with the pigs, and he ran around with women he shouldn't have run around with. And he did all of these things, and they would tell their children this to put fear in their heart about running away. From their, from their taught uh, religion. And then they would say, and then the prodigal came home and he said, please receive me, please receive me. And the father would meet him at the door and he would slam the door in his face and say, go away, I never knew you. And they would say this story. This was a nursery rhyme in the ancient Near East for children so that they would know not to disrespect the religion of their father, not to go and waste away what their inheritance was. So every child and every person, when the story began to be told, they would just stand on edge. It was like, oh, we're going to get in trouble again. But Jesus The God of grace came and he began to tell the story and then everybody got nervous and he was excited because it was a common story in his day and he knew he had them because they weren't moving, they were ready. It's like, oh dear, he's gonna slam the door in our face again. But Jesus is a God of grace and he says to them, he didn't stand at the door. He ran out into the field and met him and he wrapped his arms around them and he put a ring on his finger and he put and he killed the fatted calf and he wrapped a robe around his shoulders and Jesus was letting the world know that I'm not looking to put you in fear of what will happen to you but I am looking to have relationship with you I am looking to be your God and for you to be my son and he did it all through a nursery rhyme you didn't know that did you See, this is the thing that makes the Bible so exciting when you dig in and you find things like this. See, Jesus thought it very appropriate to speak in parables so that no matter what level of God you were in, you could come in and you could find the goodness of God in that teaching. So he says to them, it's like a man who sows a seed. Everybody understands the farming reference. First of all, he says that the seed fell on the path. You see, what I love about this story is that the seed is not on trial. Do you know that the word of God is never on trial? So this week you came in here and it was like, whew, we're going to get started the first night. And like, I was like halfway through Shane Warren's message and I'm like, I'm not smart. I don't know what's happening here. 
because he's so brilliant, right? And then he breaks it all down for you in the end and he brings you back in and he says, you're not dumb, come with me. It's just awesome. I, I love the way that he teaches because it's just so incredible and then he breaks it all down for you in the end. He's just such a brilliant teacher of the word of God and he just took the seed of the word of God and he just sowed it all over our church. See, the seed's not on trial, the soil is. If you ever hear someone say, I'm not being fed, don't believe them. Look back at them and say, oh, friend, no, 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 no. Your soil's not right. Let's check your soil. Because the, the seed is never on trial. The soil's on trial. God's word never returns void. It is always good. It is the same, just like Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And I am telling you today that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll divide between what is real and what you feel every day of the week. But it is never on trial. And then Chris McDonald slips in and he's like, bam! The seed just exploded. And then, who? oh, we had the prophet. And then the prophet goes like, he's like kissing and hugging people because he's Latino and I love it. And he's like, come, let me just like love you. He's like, oh, you had a tragedy in your life. This is what God says. Heal it. And the seed just comes and covers the soil of people's hearts, right? So precious. Wasn't it so precious? Aren't you so grateful for that? And then there's Brian. And he just comes in and he says, oh, church, have it all. Go ahead, take it all. Take the whole word. I wish I had more seeds in here. Take the whole word and just lays it on. And then we look and that seed, see, oh, we do have more. I'll wipe it off the thing. We want every single bit of it, every single bit, because we're hungry and thirsty. And the Bible says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled to the overflowing. Not they might, not they could be, not it could happen. No, they will be filled. And you and I, we came hungry, right? I need Patrick and Tiffany up on this stage. We're mixing it up this morning. Pastor Patrick, Pastor Tiffany Donahue, everybody give them a hand clap. Because hungry people look different than unhungry people. Unhungry is not a word. I made that up. Hungry people look different than people that don't come hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Because I'm telling you, I stand in the pulpit a lot and I can see when people are hungry because they're like on the edge of their seat. They're like lean forward. Listen, I promise you Tiffany has three highlighters in that notebook. She's a highlighter girl. I'm not a highlighter girl. Everybody does Jesus different. But I'm just telling you, there is a whole lot of hunger going on right here. And she's like taking notes and she's got her Bible and she's leaned in like, go ahead, give me something. And when you come hungry, the Bible says that you will be filled. And it doesn't matter what, who, who, the, who brings the word because it's the word. See, the word is not on trial. That word can come through a broadcast. That word can come live through me, live through Brian, live through a campus pastor. We could have a guest speaker. We could literally put a voice on the speakers and let it come to you with no visual. And if you're hungry enough, it'll change your life. 
Because the word is the word is the word is the word is the word, and it is not on trial. The soil's on trial. This is the guy that nobody wants to be. Lean back, scrolling his social. This is the guy that has absolutely no desire to see God change something inside of him. And if we would come every single day to church and we were like, God, I'm leaned in, I'm hungry. I don't care what the word is today, change me. I told Brian the other day, I said, listen, I just want to go ahead and warn you. When the prophet gets here, I have told God that no matter what he has to say about me that is private, I am willing for him to say it in front of everybody if I get a word. Brian said, why would you do that? I said, I got nothing to hide if God can change my life. And he just started laughing at me. He's like, you literally told God that. I'm like, yes, I literally just had a conversation with God. And I said, God, no matter what you want to say about me in public, as long as it shifts my world, I am good to go. Let's do this thing. And that's where you have to get with God in order for him to begin to shift everything for you. Where it's no longer the word on trial. No, it's the soil on trial. Don't let the devil steal your word. Thank you, guys. First of all, we have a path, and this seed is thrown just like I just threw it. And it gets a little bit on the path, and it doesn't last long because the birds of the air come. Now, listen, we got to be people that want all of the word. And no matter where that word is, like if it didn't land in my soil, if you won't take it, I'll take yours. I'm fine with it. You don't want yours, I want yours. I am hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Now I'm telling you, the birds of the air came and they began to eat this seed. We have got to learn to be bird shoers. I'm in Hawaii preaching. I get up for breakfast. Brian's there, everything's fine. Brian leaves to go to the, re to go to the restroom. All the birds come to eat his food. They will literally pick up your car keys. They are so strong. These birds are strong. And I do not look dignified. It's like, a, you know, a, a place where you're supposed to be quiet in the morning. Everyone's like reading a book. And I'm like, shoo, shoo, get away from it. Get away from it. Because it's like this beautiful breakfast. And if there's one thing I don't want destroyed, it is breakfast food. It is my favorite. So I'm like, shoo, shoo. And everybody's looking at me. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. But I don't look dignified. But guess what? I don't care because I want the food more than I want to look dignified. You've got to learn that you need to look for the, for the word. You need the seed more than you need to look dignified. Do I have any bird shoers up in here? Because you need some friends. There you go. Come on. Get them off. Get it. Hey, if someone else won't take their seed, you will. That's what you got to do. You say, they look crazy. Guess what? Sometimes when you want the word, you look crazy. When you want the word more than you want your necessary bread, you look crazy. When you fast, you look crazy. To the world, to everything that's been taught to our natural minds, you might look crazy. But guess what? You are not crazy. You are hungry. You are hungry. You are hungry. Number two, it fell on rocky Ground and it sprang up quickly, but it burned out because it had no roots. Rocky soil, rocky soil. How many of you have ever had any rocks in your soil? Just a little hardness of your heart, not your whole heart hard, like there was still some soil there, but there were some rocks, some bitterness, some anger, some wondering why it didn't happen any sooner, some 
not understanding why the healing hasn't shown up yet. Some bitterness, some, hey, I don't understand why this is going on in my life. Whenever I serve God with all of my heart, there's just like some rock, some unforgiveness towards somebody. Sometimes it's time that we look at each other and we say, hey, I owe you an apology. I didn't do you right. Not like if I didn't do you right, I apologize if you felt like that. That's not an apology. And we also don't text apologies just like we don't text our mama that we're pregnant. Can I get a big amen from all the mamas? Young people, listen to me. This is not from the Bible. This is from the book of Jesse. Don't text your mama you're pregnant <laughs> or that you just got married. That's never going to fly. Some of you are like, ooh, that's bad. I did that last week. That's funny, you guys. There are some things you don't text. There are lots of things you don't text. Girls in this church I've been close to for years text me, I'm pregnant. I say, try again. What do you mean, Pastor Jesse? I mean, I'm gonna need you to try again. Don't text me you're pregnant. I'm not even your mama. Don't text me you're pregnant. How am I supposed to show you my excitement over your blessing over the text? I can't do it. There are not enough emojis or gifts in this world for me to express the excitement that I have when you just told me you had a baby, a living being, the blessing of God inside of you. I need a face-to-face. -face. If all you have is FaceTime, bring it to me. But I'm telling you, there are some things that we as a generation have decided to text in, and it's a cop-out. We need to face-to-face -face look at somebody and say to them, man, I believe that you have been hurt by me, and I'd like to ask you to forgive me. Not, you really made me mad, you're kind of a jerk, and sometimes I react bad, so I'm sorry. That's you taking your rock and throwing it into their soil. We're not looking to make rocky soil somewhere else. We're looking to remove the rock and drop it down and say, hey, I'm done with it. The unforgiveness is gone. The bitterness is gone. The anger is gone. I am looking for clean soil. I want to be good soil that God can grow up in. Because the thing is, if we leave the rocks, we may even receive the word with joy. And it may grow up for a season, but the minute that anything happens and the sun comes out, that thing will burn up so fast your head will spin. And the blessing that you thought you had will leave your life. And some of you have wondered, how do I get things from God? And then I feel like they go away so quick. The birds of the air came quick or your roots haven't been grounded in the church and you've left the rocks in your soil. This is the reason that weekly church attendance is massive because every single time that you walk in God's house, he goes, that one. I wish that I could tell you that church was for a different purpose, but church is for a lot of things. But one of the things is for God in worship. You like lift up your hands and you're like, God, I love you. I'll give you anything. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. And we just think we're going to sing that song, but God's going to go that rock. And then you have to grab that rock out of your heart and get rid of it. And every week, God is honing in on one thing because you couldn't handle God dealing with it all at one time. Because we're messed up people. 
with a lot of junk on the inside of us. And God's like giving you so much mercy by taking it out week by week. And if you give him Wednesdays, you're giving him a double shot every single week to come in and to fix you. And then he just comes in and he removes it. And the next thing you know, you're planted in the church because you subjected yourself to coming to church and your roots have gone down far. And now the sun comes out and you lift up and it's like joy to your soul. It's not a withering force, it's a restoring force. God wants this for you. Number three, the thorns. Man, oh man. I'm just going to tell you, I'd rather be ridiculous than fruitless. I'm sorry. I would rather look ridiculous than fruitless. I don't know about you. I would rather look ridiculous than fruitless. I don't care if I look ridiculous to the, to the world. I care if I'm fruitless and I'd never see the harvest that God has for my life. How many of you would say a big yes to that this morning? Number three, the thorns. These are big because they come and they take, it says uh, here, other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up slowly and just choked out the seed. I love this passage so much that I actually named a child after this passage. My oldest daughter, her name is Briley. Her name means the gracious remover of the thorn from the field. So every time I call her name, I'm confessing over her that everyone that she comes in contact with, that she's not hateful, that she's not a mean girl, that she's not all these things that people say that girls have to grow up to be. No, no, no. My girl, she goes up to people who the thorns are trying to squelch out the word, and she just delicately, graciously takes that and pulls it away speaks a word of healing over them where that thorn has torn and brings healing to the people that she comes in contact with. I'm telling you, God wants those thorns to stay out of your life. He's looking for you not to be consumed by the thorn, but to be the thorn to be removed from your heart. And sometimes the things in life, actually the scripture goes on to say later in this chapter that the thorn can be things that come in life or it can be the distraction of what money, what, what the, deci- the deceitfulness of riches that comes to you, being distracted by the things of the world and thinking that if you don't accomplish the worldly goal, that somehow you're not good enough. But the soil of your heart, you've got to take those thorns and remove them and allow the good soil to be created. You know, you have to find and become a compost pile for Jesus. Whatever's good, stick it in me, God. I am ready to take it. I mean, I want all those nutrients. I want coffee grounds. I want everything you can put in me. If it's good for the soil, it's good for me. I want it, God. Whatever it is, I want to do that. That's not pretty. Compost piles aren't pretty. But compost piles change the makeup of the soil. And you know what? God wants you to take things in. He's not looking for what it looks like. He's looking for what it produces in your life. Number four, the good soil that produces. And it brings forth grain and it brings forth a hundredfold. It brings forth 60-fold. It brings forth 30-fold. All, again, dependent on the soil. You may have gotten rid of the rocks and the thorns, but you just haven't composted just enough. 
There may be some things that need to be added to your soil. The acidity has to be changed, the things in you. And that is why God doesn't leave you alone for 24 hours every single day we meet with him. That is why daily reading of the word and prayer is so vital to our Christian faith. It is why every day we stand before God and we say, God, whatever it is that you want, you get. It's why every day we obey. Say it to your neighbor. Say, every day we obey. Obedience every day. You look at your neighbor like, I know them. They say they're a Christian. They're not perfect. And they're looking at you saying, I know them. They're a Christian and they're not perfect. You are right. They are not perfect. But I am here right now to tell you that every day you obey, every day you invest in your soil, every day you remove thorns, every day if there's a rock, you get rid of it. You don't throw it in someone else's path, you just lay it down. I am telling you that God wants to make you the most nutrient-rich soil. And no matter what word comes, no matter where it comes from, no matter whose mouth it leaves and lands on you, that you begin to rejoice because the harvest is there. Do you know there's one more scripture that I wanna read to you and then we're done today. I think they're gonna put it up on the screen and I'm gonna read it from the screen. I love this because sometimes the word comes and we leave the building and the devil tries to steal it. Those birds come to eat it. Sometimes we leave and a few days later we realize it burn up. Sometimes we've got rocks that there are no roots and we see all that. Everybody is at a different stage in this life, but I want you to know that you can begin to rejoice over the harvest that's coming into your life. You don't have to wait to rejoice till you see it. In fact, faith rejoices when there is no sight of harvest anywhere. Faith rejoices when they see no harvest. Though the fig tree, this is in Habakkuk 3:17, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know, you can rejoice before you see the harvest. That word rejoice is used many times throughout scripture that God rejoices over you. Did you know God rejoices over you? Do you know you bring joy to God's heart? It's used so many times and it's actually interpreted whether God is rejoicing over us or we are rejoicing over what God has given to us and over him. Both are translated in the ancient language to aggressively praise and to spin wildly. Now, I know you're too sophisticated for that, but I'm not. Because if I see something that God wants to give me, a harvest that God has placed in front of me, I'm not too good to spin, I promise you that. Rejoicing, spinning, spinning over that thing, jumping up in the air and spinning over that thing. I promise you today, if your team wins in that Super Bowl, there is gonna be some jumping and some spinning around with joy. Why? Because your team won. And when God places a word and a harvest inside of you, I promise you, your team is on their way to winning. And that's what God thinks when he looks over you. My dad used to work in this ditch. 
And he was a preacher, so I remember him telling this story. But he used to work in this ditch, and he was embarrassed of working in this ditch. He had been in a better place, and he had been uh, called into the ministry, and he had given up his better high-paying position, and he went and he was working these little jobs, and he was digging this ditch, digging, and he was in this, like, uh, on the side of the road in this ditch, and his friends would drive by that ditch every day, and he was working in that ditch, and he said he just felt bad, and he felt embarrassed, and he felt mortified, but guess what? God spoke to him, and he said, I want you to spin wildly for me. He said, God, I'm not doing that right here. Not happening. He said, I want you to rejoice over the harvest that's going to come. He said, God, I love you. I'm not spinning in this ditch on a main highway that everybody's coming by and going to see me looking like a maniac. He said, listen to me. I want you to spin. I want you to jump up and spin wildly and rejoice in what I'm going to do. So my dad made a decision in his heart that he was going to obey God. And it started like this. So no one would see him. God said, I asked you to just jump and wildly spin in your ditch. And my dad said, he said, I said, son, to spin in your ditch. And the next thing you knew, my dad's jumping up with you six feet tall. He's jumping up out of this ditch, spinning in the air and landing, spinning up. He said he had no idea who saw him. He didn't care. But all he knew was that he had breakthrough because he learned to rejoice in what was coming, not what he already saw with his eyes. And that, my friend, is faith. Will you stand on your feet today? We're going to worship God one good time before we leave today. Has been lifted, grace is waiting for you.
Jesus, we thank you for 